Welcome to our seminar on uh, RPGs and your CV. So we have uh, three panelists tonight. Oh, and just so everyone knows, we are recording this to release as a podcast, just so you're aware. Hopefully you already know about our podcasts and listen to them. Uh, we'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, but yeah, we have three panelists here today, Sarah, um, Alpha, and Steven. So th and thanks so much for coming. Uh, to get us, and I guess I should say that um, I know that the idea for this seminar kind of germinated. It, it feels like to me in a couple ways. Uh, Sarah, you might be directly responsible, but I know I got really interested in the topic when I realized there was a D and D book written, or like a companion book written uh, by someone who's a philosopher, and and that's like what I do professionally. And so I got really excited about really. That. Um, so I, I read that book, Katie. What's the yeah, name? What's the name of this book? Uh, it's called Ancestry and Culture, an Alternative to Race in 5e. And basically, it's a philosophy of race book, uh, no. but it's a D&D &D book, too. That so sounds amazing. So I got super amazing. excited about this uh, <laughs> book. Yeah, I got super excited mm, about this book topic. Book club. Nonfiction <laughs> choice. Anyways. So I got really That's excited cool, Yeah, about this topic. So I'm happy to moderate uh, for you all. Uh, I thought I'd ask, and, and so we're going to approach this in a couple of ways. I think the panelists will talk about um, their experience with uh, the workplace, uh, also with interviews. I thought I'd start by asking each of you to say very briefly how um, RPGs appear on your CV. Or if they don't, in what context do they come up for you in the workplace? So let's start with Sarah. So actually, um, this is very a in, very interesting question for me because the way that I originally uh, pitched the idea for this uh, for this session wasn't specifically tied to a CV or the idea that you would be talking about the fact that you uh, do an RPG um, while you're at work. It was uh, from from my <laughs> okay, um, everyone, play D and D. About... <laughs> sorry, excuse me. Sorry, it was just it was more about uh, the. Uh, the concept of um, that you learn skills that you can then apply at work. So I didn't have a, a specific um, uh, thing about bringing it into the workplace, though I have uh, seen it come up at work, and it's been uh, interesting to uh, to see it uh, come up in in that kind of way. And we'll talk about that more as we go through the questions. Um, uh, do you hey, have a Sarah, line on your CV, or have you ever relied on RPGs in an interview? Oh no, did we lose Alpha? No, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I, I was going to um, suggest, actually, because it might give some context to people to understand, um, you know, what they do and like in, in, in a real life work environment. And, you know, how does that kind of cross over uh, with RPG related stuff? So, Sarah, do you want to maybe tell us about your kind of day job type of thing? Oh, yeah, sure. I, I think that that is... Uh... That, that, that can have some uh, some relevance, I guess. Um, like, not that it really matters what you do, um, but I guess there's some work environments where this would be, oh, so you play role-playing games. Like, wow, so what else is new? Like, if you're in maybe theater, for example. Um, I'm in, uh, I work for, uh, for a large corporation, and, and I, I work in, uh, like, a data and stuff like that. Very, um, you know, very hierarchical kind of corporate work. <laughs> so it's it's interesting uh, uh like when you see things like this come out like there are people who um there's a hidden side to a lot of people that doesn't necessarily um come out unless you really get to know someone uh and then there's pockets of different cultures within the organization i'd say there's probably places where you'd find a lot of people who are actually um playing rpgs or play a lot of video games or board games and Stuff like that, and I've come across a few um, pockets like that uh, uh, in in my work. So that's been very interesting. Alpha, did you want to uh, go next? Am I next? You're. I'm next. Okay. So, um, so I, I spent most of my career in large multinational corporate organizations. Um, so, you know, it sounds like we have some similarities there, Sarah. So, you know, working within an extensive corporate bureaucracy, right, for, for all the, the good and bad that actually means. But um, 
in the last six years, I've actually transitioned from a career perspective and I work now as, I guess you could say a business and technology consultant. And so I, I work for one of the, you know, the major uh, consultancy firms and, uh, you know, work to implement uh, essentially enterprise software solutions for, you know, very large or medium sized enterprises, right? And it could be a global client with multinational presence. It could be a Canadian client, multiple industries and stuff like that. Um, and so the, and, and I think where I am going with this, I think interestingly enough, you know, um, the, the whole consultant skill set, I actually think the, the key competencies that are associated with that job and how you succeed, they map really, really well to what I call, I guess, GMing skills, right? So a lot of the things that I do as a GM, you know, active listening, being adaptable, being creative, having to kind of, you know, present um, in, in front of different audiences and, and listen to different perspectives and react all the time. I mean, in a sense... That is no different what I do at work than what I do as a GM. So that whole intersection between the skills that I utilize day to day as a consultant and the same skills that I use, you know, on my weekend games, there's actually synergies there that overlap and very much complement each other. So I, I find that fascinating. It's also one of the reasons I wanted to, uh, you know, volunteer as a panelist. So that's me. Yeah, we'll we'll dig into some of those examples, I think, a bit more as we proceed in our conversation. Uh, what about you, Stephen? Uh, what do you do for a living, if you want to say? <laughs> How uh, have you? I, used I play our- games. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What else do I do? That's right. <laughs> um, I I, uh, I I work at University of Waterloo, and and um, I do information technology. I'm an information technologist. I do a lot of projects. And so mm-hmm. similar to Alpha, a lot of what I do in terms of gaming, like um, being a GM or being a player, it's being part of this project team. Absolutely. And project teams are basically the same as a tabletop role-playing session, I got to say. Like you, you you, have all the characters there 100%. of all the different classes. Oh my God. And it's, it's trying to figure out how they work together. And so it really relates. I mean, it, you know, it's it's not literal. It's a figurative type application, but I found it really useful over the years. And I find it interesting working at a university and talking about um, role-playing games, it, just board games in general, right? Because there's this snobbery <laughs> to higher education. And so that leisure aspect sometimes is dismissed. And... I've had some interesting experiences over the years of, of running um, KW Gamers and some of the events where coworkers will show up and they go, oh, you run this? And they never come to another event. So I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for those introductions. Uh, you know, you've already given us so many teasers about project management, teamwork, collaboration. Um, to think about. I'm going to move to some of the questions that are showing up. Uh, if you have a question, you can put it in the channel GN203 questions. You can also upvote questions by doing a thumbs up or some other kind of emoji. And if you have comments you want to make that aren't a question, but about what people are talking about, do that in the seminar chat channel, and that will be awesome. So I'll ask, uh, the first question comes from Josh, who's not here, so uh, make it good for the podcast. Uh, What are some of the skills that you use in the workplace that parallel to running a game? So you've given us a few teasers about this alpha. We'll start with you. Do you want to go into detail about, or actually, no, I guess you kind of went the other direction, which is another question. Um, But are there skills... Yeah, talk about what skills run in parallel for you. Yeah, and and I, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, and I've actually got like six. So I'm gonna really start with my top three, the ones that I think are the most directly related and and uh, you know basically link 
to, I guess, my type of work. And, and you know, I'll be the first to acknowledge it's not going to be for everyone in every situation. Um, and certainly it's also idiosyncratic to my own kind of style, right? But adaptability uh, is huge, right? So as a consultant, you never really know what uh, a client is going to throw at you, right? So you could be in a meeting and it could be with executives. It could be with people on the working team and they have very different perspectives and they have very different agendas, yet they're in the same meeting and they're kind of taking up airtime, you know, basically quizzing you or challenging you or, or, or what, you know, what, you know, basically stating their position, right? And so, you know, in a very, uh, I guess, uh, professional uh, way, you have to be able to adapt to those different personalities, the different agendas and the different audiences, and very quickly do that on the fly. And that is, to me, it's exactly the same as when you GM a game and you've got different players and they're all kind of, oh, I want to do this and I want to, you know, you know, do, do this other thing and or, or you know, I'm going to attack or whatever. Right. Like you have to absolutely adapt. And, you know, I think the moments that I actually live for as a GM are the ones which go outside of my plan. Right. So when the when the players pull something that I completely don't anticipate and I'm having to really, you know, basically scooter around and fly by the seat of my pants that's the stuff I really love and you know that's also what makes consulting a little bit exciting too because you know it's not that cut and dry and it's always going to be a little bit different Uh, and I know I'm taking a lot of time here so I'll talk about the other one so as a consultant you have to be an active listener and you have to listen very carefully not only what people are saying but how they're saying and even what what they are not saying and uh, same thing goes when you're a GM right you have to listen to all those things you have to maybe you know observe and be aware of nonverbal cues and also kind of read the room I know Josh has used that term uh, you know a bunch and lastly collaboration and team I think that just goes without saying, especially when we talk about collaborative storytelling. I mean, my my real motivation as a GM is to tell that story, but to tell it collaboratively. It's not just me telling the story. It's, you know, I and my storytelling team, and we're actually co-creating something on the fly. So that's the stuff. That's awesome. And, you know, this question does say... Um, ask about running a game, but I think too, if any of you want to comment on what skills you use as players that run parallel to your workplace experience, that would also be, you know, useful and appropriate to talk about. Uh, but let's go to Steven next. Uh, what about you? Are there um, skills in the workplace that run parallel to running or playing in a game? Oh, absolutely. Um, and very much like alpha, um, it starts with, um, Alpha, I can't remember the exact phrase you use, but the, the, the one I use is thinking on your feet, right? It's that ability to respond to what's happening in the moment. Absolutely. Because you never know what people are going to throw at you, whether it's in gaming or, or whether it's in a project, whether it's with a client where you're trying to get their business needs defined. And, you know, you think, okay, we got this straight. And, you know, we're, we know where we're going. And the next day they come back and say, you know, I really want it red. And so you just, you have to run with that, right? Because it's their project and you're there to guide it. And so it's very much like a GM, right? You're, you're there to help the story, but it's the players that are the actors, right? So it does apply directly to, to working with business clients. It's the listening. It's the guiding sometimes. Uh-huh. It's like, no, you can't go there. The map doesn't go there. Exactly. Um, so there's boundaries. You got to bring them back. And it's keeping in mind, there's a couple of key phrases that just apply to life in general, right? One of them is, what's in it for me? And that applies in gaming, that applies in when you're trying to roll out a project. And you have to get your end users to go, I will adopt this. Yeah. I will not resist change. Yeah. Right? And so it's the what's in it for me. I buy and in to the adventure. Oh, absolutely. And, and the last one that I think is really important in, in, in running a project is making sure that everybody has their moment to shine. And so that's really important, not only in gaming, making sure that you go around the table, everyone contributes, but also in that project management, right? And so a project management team has a bunch of players, players not in the sense of playing a game, a bunch of folks around the table who are there because of their skill sets and they want to show them off. 
And so it's your opportunity to let them show it off within the context of the project. And that's where the guiding comes back in, right? No, let's <clears throat> do this together as a team. So, Ranger, Bard, um, Paladin, and um, Thief. Yeah, and a Thief. Yeah, it's exactly right? the same. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So, so those are that's my context. Um, and even as a player, right? Um, to to put it down to the other sort of aspect, when you're just a member of that team, those skills are the same, right? It, it's listening to what your companions are doing around the table, the people you're traveling with basically on this journey of the project journey, and just making sure that you're contributing or you're backing them up with whatever play they're proposing or giving them a good critique, right? At the moment and saying, I don't think this is going to fly and this is why, <laughs> but doing it respectfully. Yeah. Although in something you said, I feel like I kind of had an insight, which is a, uh... <laughs> You know, we often get questions, it seems like in these seminar series about like, how do you handle monopolizers or people who want to like take control of the game? And, um, you know, how do you make space for everyone? But when you were talking about project management, I was thinking about design. And it's like you set up the project from the beginning in a way to make everyone have an opportunity to shine. And that's something I don't know that I've heard as much of. Um, although, I, I mean, I know I've heard some of you all say this, that as a DM, at least, you need to create those opportunities for each of your players. So part of it is on you to provide those hooks that everyone can jump onto for an inclusive experience. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, what about you? Do you have, um, are there any skills that you use in the workplace that parallel to running or playing in a game? Yeah, uh, I think this is a, is a really great question. Um, I'm going to relate to it uh, from the uh, perspective of a player, like playing in a game, uh, and relating that to work, where if you're working on a team, and let's face it, there's very few roles that you're actually working individually, even if you are an individual contributor doing your own thing, you're still part of something larger, you still have to work with often a lot of other people. Um, so in, or at least for jobs where, where this is true, where you're working with a lot of other people, the success of the organization is really dependent on how well the people are working together. Uh, so it's not that you've got, you know, a star performer who can, you know, um, chunk out so much more work than everybody else. It's that that becomes a limiting factor if, if the if all the players aren't working or the employees see players employees. <laughs> I already made that slip. Hmm. That they're like it, it. The success is truly dependent on how well they work together. So as an employee. Your value to the company is not just because you're a star performer, it's how well can you perform with the people that you work with. So, so much of it comes back to teamwork. And then on that note, then it's uh, it's all the skills that uh, Alpha and, and Stephen have spoken to. And I would say also um, there's pieces in there about patience and uh, learning to find your your place within within that team. What can you bring that is your contribution that is needed and helpful. How can you um, make a difference for this team's success? Uh, and uh, how can you step forward into showing um, the best that you can do? So there's also lessons in here about uh, giving and receiving, uh, sharing credit and taking receiving credit as, as well, that uh, the game is a safe place to do all of that. And this applies regardless of your style of play. Uh, in addition to that, I would say that if you go deeper, if you want to have a, a, an even more enriched experience and you get deeper into the actual role play of the game, then you start getting into opportunities to go outside of yourself, to start to have experiences that uh, go beyond your normal um, knee-jerk reactions. And, and uh, you can, like, the beauty of playing in, a, in, in the game is that often you have um, time spans, time between the next time that you have to respond to a situation. So you get these opportunities to to think about it, or you plan your whole character to be different than your own personality, and you get to play that out. And in so doing, you learn the skills that that character has that you may not have, and you get to practice them. And then that be those become tools that you can then bring into the workplace that when the circumstances come up that are challenging, that you may that may come in handy to help you to uh, achieve that success of you know being more effective as as part of the team that you're on or the team that you're working with so i think there's a lot to be to be said for it um i think it's really 
wonderful thing. Well, if I've understood you correctly, uh, my employer is definitely going to be getting a lot of receipts for RPG-related material <laughs> under, my, <laughs> under my professional Yeah, I don't think I fine. could expense that one. <laughs> because I'm going to be maybe, a better maybe not, but player. You, uh, just a, if I may, just a little yeah. segue, a little story. Um, so I worked at a, a different company than where I am now, and uh, they made a very strong commitment to people management. And they said, this is something that we're going to invest heavily in. We don't care what your level is. If you're managing people, you have to be on this offsite training three days. Uh, and a big, like the culmination of everything that we learned, and a lot of it had to do with uh, receiving feedback and receiving uh, anonymous uh, feedback on ourselves and our styles, um, was then um, culminated in actual role play where we worked with each other uh, to um, provide support. We could have a little time out and ask our team for, to, to help coach us through a scenario where someone came in and pretended to be an employee with, within a sp certain specific uh, circumstance. And it was very real. And then they would not break. They were totally in their acting mode. Uh, and we were um, in an acting mode. And you couldn't just rush to a solution and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just like this. We actually had to play it out and guide them through it as if it was a real employee. And so that that, that was actual role playing um, applicable to the workplace and just showing how powerful that can be. We all walked away from that going like, whoa, this has changed how I look at things mm. because I actually had the experience. And I think that that's if, if you are um, like the deeper, the more that you're willing to put into the idea of the role play and to uh, go there, so to speak, though, it's not required. But the more that you do, the more that you can reap those rewards of, of having a different experience, seeing a different perspective, and, and trying things out that are outside of your comfort zone and doing it in a safe place. I can see in that story you told about the role play training exercise, how those skills that Alpha was talking about, about active listening and collaboration and responding to uh, new situations, being creative, uh, definitely come into play. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The next question is uh, more specifically about interviews. What skills do you learn in gaming that are applicable to interviews? And on a related note, will gaming turn people off if they read it on resumes or hear you talk about it in your interviews? Uh, let's start with Stephen for this one. Um, so I'll, I'll start with that second part first. Uh, my advice would be typically don't put on your resume. I'm I, I'm an obsessive D and D player <laughs> or or GM because that's not what the employer is looking for. Thank you. The employer is looking for somebody who can do a task. So what you're trying to sell them is your ability to do things, to deliver, to be part of a team. Like, like look at the job description and say if it says you need to work with a group of people, then take those skills and put them in your resume and say. This is the this is what I've done. I wouldn't say I play Dungeons and Dragons other than I've put on that I run a gaming group because it is a big part of what I do. Mm -hmm. But I put it in terms of that leisure activity that you might put in under the hobbies. Don't make it a, an actual, you know, this is a career thing that I did. And that just doesn't work that way. Um, the skills I learned in gaming that are applicable to interviews are clearly listening because the most important part of going into any interview is actually listening to the question and then being able to think out of the box. Yep. Um, just it, it's you're sitting there answering questions on the fly and realizing that there's six other people that are probably are going through these exact same questions. Mm -hmm. So how can I differentiate myself? What can I add to this question? And so when you're playing as a player, quite often you have to respond to something that's been thrown at you. And so that's that thinking on your feet, that ability to just respond, um, but also building off of what others are doing in that room. Um, especially love group interviews, right? Where they, they have three or four managers and that ability to just sort of watch them yep. and then realize that, oh, they're using this to build on something. Mm -hmm. So if I can anticipate it mm -hmm. and actually and you know answer or lead into the next question 
that just really impresses them because they're like, oh, you're really, you're, you're, like, you're following us. You've got our script. How did you mm-hmm, do that? Mm-hmm. And I've actually managed to do that, right, in, in interviews, simply by observing. And it's those tells, right? It's what Alpha referred to as um, those nonverbal um, little things that people do that sort of give you this clue about, oh, I'm heading in the right direction. And I found that really useful in terms of um, running games, but also as a player, just knowing when somebody has something up their sleeve or when somebody is just not enjoying where this is going and then trying to redirect the game so that they're having fun again. So it's that ability. Yeah, take charge of your own interview. Uh, Let me ask you a quick follow-up, Stephen, because um, another question that we got related to interviews uh, was have you actually discussed gaming in an interview? So you mentioned that you talked about running KW Gamers and, and pitched it as an example about mm. um, leadership skills, co- um, organization skills, et cetera. But have you discussed gaming more specifically in an interview before? If it seemed appropriate, yeah. Um, it, um, typically, it's because someone's asked about what is this gaming group and then talked about it that way. Um, but also in running interviews, um, so we hire co-ops to work on projects. And so we have a, um, a, a little dish of dice in the room <laughs> as part of the interview. And so we actually do a little role play using dice. Um, so That's awesome, uh, we'll, we'll Yeah, we'll just pull something off, right? And just say, oh, hey, we're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, and we'll ask them, right? You know, have, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Have you ever? And so some of them are like, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> just fun. And then there's others that are just, oh, yeah, you know, I got this paladin and, oh, then, you know, they just go on and on. So it's just a different way of engaging people. Um, and we do that early in the interview because it acts like an icebreaker. And I think it's been really effective with the co-op students. I don't see that working with somebody who's, like, being hired for a senior administrative position at the University of Waterloo. I've been on some of those committees. I just don't <laughs> see that question coming in there. Like, I've been on some of the presidential search committees. I just don't see us doing that. Can you imagine Faraday answering that question? Anyways. <laughs> no comment. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, this is a Sarah. publicly recorded thing. It's going to get back out there. <laughs> uh, Sarah, what about you? Are there skills that you've learned in gaming that are applicable in interviews? And do you think, uh, think yeah, that I... if you hear about or talk about inter- um, gaming in an interview, it's going to turn uh, employers off? Yeah, so I, I, I see those two, two um, I'll, I'll answer both. I'll just start with, um, uh, well, actually, they are kind of related. Uh, skills learning gaming that are applicable in interviews, like certainly um, being able to think on your feet, uh, being able to respond, um, taking a step back from having to answer a question right away to say, okay, like just assess the situation, take it in, stay calm, think it over and then come up with your answer. So you don't have to feel um, obliged to immediately uh, take an answer. Sometimes it's better just to, you know, hold your action or to uh, to ask for a moment to think or to ask the question, uh, sorry, can you clarify this for me? Were you looking for this or for that, for example? Um, that uh, to be able to ask those clarification questions, I think, is also uh, an important piece. And then the second part of that, will it turn people off to read it on your resume? I think uh, for a lot of jobs uh, in in my workplace, I would say yes. Uh, Mind you, I have heard a couple of uh, senior executives uh, talk about having played D&D back in the day and that uh, one of the guys uh, that they spoke to informally uh, said that he still plays and they thought that was pretty cool. Um, But there is still a a certain unfortunate stigma to it, I think, that uh, has changed a lot. but uh, I would, instead of saying, like Stephen said, instead of saying on my on my resume that, you know, that I do this or, um, you know, participate in, in these things, um, well, I see nothing wrong with putting something down under extracurricular that you run uh, a gaming group or, or something like that. Uh, but what I, how I would translate the skills onto the resume is I would think more about what is it that you're doing. And I think that's been well covered. We've talked about, you know, if you're a GM, you're doing project management. If you're a player, you're doing some extent of uh, business analysis in terms of understanding how to set up your character. 
Uh, and you're also uh, working on your, your teamwork skills and your empathy skills and uh, all of those pieces that um, make you a better employee in some other ways. So uh, yes, there are some things that you can literally translate to your, to your resume. Uh, and there's other pieces that I would say, like in in terms of your of your life in general, that just will be of service to you, if that makes sense. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I I I think that uh, pretty much uh, covers that. Uh, but I would say too that I, I found Stephen's comment about the dice. I I, th I thought that was really um, enamoring, especially with the co-op students. Um, like it's it real, it's a dice breaker. I think that is such yeah. a Ha, ha. Uh, just a wonderful way to, to open things up. And I think uh, what else I like about it is that um, people have a lot of preconceived notions and they don't have a lot of freedom to explore these things. And um, the RPGs uh, provide a doorway to do that. Like you don't have to go all the way through. You can just stand in the doorway and, and say that there's someone out there that you're, you're playing that character. Or you can step all the way through and, and actually em embrace it to whatever your comfort is. But it's a whole other world and... And I think that most people, um, you know, they do enjoy it and get benefits from it if, if they do. I will say, too, that I think it's okay to discuss other things in an interview as well. Uh, in fact, uh, it wasn't gaming in particular. It was more like animation. Um, Wallace and Gromit got me a job once. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Awesome. Need yeah. to hear that story at some point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and have you um, ever explicitly discussed gaming in an interview? I have not. Um, Alpha, we'll turn to you. What um, skills have you learned from gaming that are applicable in interviews? And do you think that if someone reads about gaming on your resume or hears about it, it will be a turnoff? Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to answer the, the, the latter first, and then I'm going to approach the other one from a slightly different angle. Um, so, you know, definitely one of the things I'm hoping people do not take away from this seminar is, you know, like, you know, go and update your, your, your resume regarding your gaming experience. Absolutely not. Right. Like, you know, like Steven said, the purpose of your resume at the end of the day is to get those kind of keywords in about your experience, your related, uh, you know, skills and things like that. And those are pertinent to the job. And so, you know, when you, think about, um, you know, the impact of, of gaming, you don't have to explicitly refer to that. Really what you're doing is you're drawing from your experience and your exposure, all the skills that, you know, will make you a better and more effective employee, right? All the things we've been talking about, adaptability, active listening, being able to work with diverse groups of people and things like that, ability to think on the fly, right? So you don't have to say, I'm a GM and therefore I do this. No, you're, you you find real work examples where you've actually put those things into play and, and hopefully you've got a good uh, story around them. So it's, uh, you know, entertaining for the interviewers and, uh, you know, uh, you can make that kind of personal connection. So with that, I'm going to switch to my, my slightly different perspective. And I was... Um, I don't know if inspired is the right term, Sarah, but 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 definitely it triggered like a, a different kind of thought and it had to do with engagement, right? And, and so I'm thinking about, you know, when you as a player or you as a DM or you as an employee, you go the extra mile to dig deeper and connect more with you know, whatever it is that you're playing or you're doing or you're working, that's going to come out, right? So if you're highly engaged in your work and you're highly engaged in your character, um, it, it is very evident to people. And sometimes that's all people are looking for. Like, yes, because remember, they're searching for everybody and, you know, they're using, you know, computer searches and stuff like that. They've already filtered out for the skill set. And now what they're really looking to do is to say, does this person match with, you know, our organization, our outlook, our values and those things like that? Like the core basic competencies, assume you wouldn't be in that interview if you hadn't already passed that mark. So then really going forward, just like, you know, the way you play your character, just like the way you can describe your spell effect as, 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 as a player, you're going the extra mile and you're doing it a little bit more, you're digging a little bit deeper to shine that much more, right? And I, I think if you can uh, let that 
a deeper level of engagement shine through, that's going to come through not only in your work, but it's going to come through um, in the interview, uh, you know, um, itself, right? And that way, it's not you just coming up with, you know, certain things to say and just repeating them. You're actually being passionate about some of the experiences that you've had. And, you know, oftentimes, people love to hear that passion, especially like Stephen said, if you're in a group with, you know, multiple interviewers, and they catch on to that energy, and you can build off of that, You've got the interview, like, you know, unless there's somebody who is doing it a lot better than you, you've probably got the job, I'd say. I, I like that, uh, Alpha. That's a, that's a really neat um, way to tie it back in, like about having that passion and uh, being able to bring that forward, tapping into those reserves. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, having the experience bringing that out and, and that RPGs, as you were talking about earlier, Sarah, help help us cultivate that ability to dig in, in a safe way, so that when we're in something like an interview setting, which I imagine for many people is highly stressful, you know, you've already developed that ability to, to do that. That's awesome. Can I, can I add um, one, yeah, one more thing along kind of related skills? I have one skills. coming up uh, oh, okay, with, uh, with a bunch of people, so that'll be interesting. Maybe I will mention gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Alpha, were you going to add to something? I'll see. I lost my train of thought now, so probably not. Well, uh, what the heck was I going to say? Never mind. Next, next on, question. Pick on your feet. Pick yeah, on your yeah. Feet. Well, you know, That's whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is after my carb-heavy meal <laughs> and a long so, day at work. I feel like we've already covered the next question, uh, which is, would you use gaming-related skills on a CV? And I think we, I've heard examples of you all talking about that. Um, if you have more to say, we can loop back to this question. Um, But I want to go to the next question, and that's this one from Alex. What have been the most surprising or unexpected links that you've come across from gaming skills in the workplace? Anything that's been a surprise or unexpected that you've realized? I'll put uh, Sarah on the spot first. (laughs) (laughs) That means that I have to think the most on my feet. (laughs) That's okay. Um, actually, so I haven't been, uh, so I played, uh, D&D years ago and then I just fairly recently, um, within the last couple of years, uh, back into it and in a more meaningful way, I would, I would say than I was. So I don't have as much, um, experience like that, but what I would say to this question, it's a little bit, I'm going to answer it a little bit differently. And that would be that the game has, um, created opportunities for me to work through things in different ways than than I might normally or than I might have uh, done at work in situations that they'll never be exactly the same, but there's often threads of things that happen in our lives that repeat that certain circumstance comes up and then we're left there going, oh, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know what to say or I should have said this or that and I didn't and then I came up with a perfect comeback later and we don't know how to handle it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's happened to everybody. Um, and the beauty of uh, like in, in the game is that you can stop time, you can pause time, you can sit and reflect, you can, you can work out the 50 different scenarios in your head and think from your character's perspective is your character might think differently than you. If you've, uh, if you've chosen to do that. And even if not, maybe it's a, an awakening for your character to, to, try something different uh and and again i'm just gonna say it's like it comes down to like who you play with and if this is that kind of a group you can have the safe space to explore a different thing or you know just put it out there nobody needs to know whether or not it's a challenge for you to try something different they don't even need to know that you're doing something different than you were because you can just sit back and you know okay well that worked or that didn't work or whatever is but it's it's the point that um like I've had uh, aha moments in gaming that then give me something that I can take into all aspects of my life, not just work, but certainly work is a, is an important piece that's like, okay, so this is the skill that I applied when this happened and this is how it resolved and it all worked out great and it's not my normal way of doing things. Now I can take that into my work environment and when something like that happens that leaves me flabbergasted, I can say, okay, well, that moment has passed. But that doesn't mean I can't address this. I can go back and I can do these things. So I, I see the the game as a, a really great um, playground for for trying out, you know, different uh, responses and and being brave with things that would be a little scarier in the real world. 
That's awesome. What about you, Alpha? Anything? What's been unexpected about this link um, for you between I, the workplace and gaming? Yeah, I, I think to me is is the fact that the two things overlap and are complementary and in a very natural way. And um, I guess, I mean, and, and, and I'll, I'll admit, I mean, my role-playing experience was really back in my university days, right? And so post-university and into the, in, into the work world, you know, I, I all but abandoned ever playing a role-playing game ever again, right? Like, like so even though those were things that I kind of did for fun as a teen or uh, as, as a young adult, definitely wasn't something that I was bringing into my so-called mature life. But, you know, now that, and really, I've just, restarted gaming again in the past let's say two years right and and you know certainly this year with covid and and you know the whole you know kw gamers and and our and our discord have become much more involved and it amazes me actually the just the complete synergy between those two things and and i would even say that you know from both a workplace perspective and, and and a personal life perspective the fact that I get to use these skills that that I I value and get a lot of both in my day to day work and in my weekend, you know, uh, do it for fun. Like it, it just creates such an overlap. And I have to say the the surprising thing is it, it's put me, I think, in a much better uh, personal place where, you know, um, I look forward to what I'm doing on the job. And I'm looking forward also to what I do on the weekend and, and, and all those things. And the, and the two things are not mutually exclusive at all. In fact, they're entirely complementary. So the, the degree to which those things actually synergize, that's probably the, the, the great surprise and the great realization. And I can say I'm not going back because, uh, you know, these are things that I value. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we don't want you to go back. You have to keep running games. Absolutely. <laughs> and I suppose Actually, you have to keep Alpha, working for a living. I think you quit your job so you can dedicate more time to game prep. Yeah, if only. If only. Yeah. It's not, not, not going to pay for the mortgage, I'm sure. <laughs> Work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. That? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Steven, what about you? What's been the biggest surprise for you in thinking about connections between gaming and the workplace? Um. So there is one key one for me, and, and I'm going to just go back, loop back to something Sarah said, because it, it sparked something for me, which was basically that, um, and it's not the exact quote, so, but it was that concept of gaming really gives you that opportunity to try something new, mm -hmm. take a risk, change your perspective. Yep. And so that ties into the one surprising thing for me that I've learned and, and so sort of put together, in the, and it's only been the last little while, but it's failure is a beautiful thing and in gaming all sorts of wonderful things happen especially in role-playing games when somebody fails it's taking that risk and going oh that did not work and it's hilarious it becomes a great story and it's that delight in that failure and one of the things in work is we are so afraid of failing, of You're making so that mistake, absolutely. of taking that risk. So and we like to play it safe. And it's that ability to go, you know what? No, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to just push this a little bit. And if we fail, so be it. But we're going to learn something from this. And it's taking that skill set and applying it because it's really easy to succeed. And it's really easy to go from success to success, but the real measure of character is when you hit that little bit of a disaster or a big disaster, and you pick up and start over again. And that's real what I've learned from Real measure of character, Stephen? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Intentionally use that phrase. So, yeah. That's brilliant. This is, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Like, I, I mean, when you put it from that perspective, it's great. And I, I mean, think about every time anyone rolls a natural one, <laughs> right? That's everyone. Is, it's, you know, sometimes it's disappointing for the individual, but I mean, in general, it, it is fun and, and people do learn from that. So I, I love that perspective, Stephen. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And I like it too. No, please go ahead, Sarah. 
I like it too that you you talked about the the failure, uh, Stephen, because organizations um, they struggle to do to do this. They're starting to realize that failure is valuable, and that you can learn from failures. And the sooner you fail, the more quickly you can try again and keep failing until you have success. Because so much of success is preceded by failure in in the business world, uh, and yet. Uh, the culture is very slow to change, and there's mm-hmm. t- t- tends to be, um, you know, in larger corporations, a history of uh, you failed, <laughs> you're out, <laughs> you know, being punished for failure. So that's a beautiful thing about the games that you can fail and you can laugh about it, and it can be a good thing. And you know, it, as Alpha said, these are things that you might have your stories about. And this is an area that I think that you know uh, companies could really um, benefit and learn from about how to apply that uh, that fail forward philosophy. And, and, and think think back to like going back to interviews, right? One of the things that often comes up that interview interviewers are looking to understand is your capacity for adaptability and how do you meet failure and you know what what do you learn from your experiences, right? And you know, I guess from my perspective, one of the best ways to position this as the person being interviewed is to turn your war story of horrible, you know, ridiculous, crazy thing that happened at work and so negative and turn that into something positive, right? Spin it the other way and, and you know, tell your war story, right? And I guess the more you have that, uh, you know, idea that, uh, you know, you can spin uh, a lot of learning and a lot of, uh, you know, I guess resilience from, you know, any difficult situation, be it in life or in work, um, again, that's that's character. And I think often, that's what organizations are looking for. I, I really we... like that. No, go ahead. Sorry, just I, I heard Alpha say building character, and it. Uh, I'm just taking it back, like what Stephen said about um, building character, and that's coming up as a theme. And Stephen, I, I know you said that on purpose, building character. And Alpha, that's what you got me thinking now is that all of these things is is character building and building character and having the experience in the game literally builds character, not just the character that's on your sheet, but the character of who you are and how you present to the world. Yeah. I actually want to pick up on something you said there, Saz, Uh, although I want to make one comment on this idea of failure first. Uh, When you were talking, Stephen, uh, what came home for me was that you know, when you're in a D&D game or any RPG, you're failing with other people. <laughs> like you have, you have a party to support Absolutely. you and to help you get through that failure. Yes. I think is, is beautiful. And, and probably most times uh, in the workplace, there are people to support us when we fail, but we feel like we're really alone when we do. So I just That's wanted so to good. throw that in there. No, I love it. But I That's wanted so to good. come back to this character building stuff and pick up on something you said, Sarah, a while ago, which actually surprised me and really got me thinking. And that's about how role-playing games help cultivate empathy and how this might be beneficial in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I'd just be really curious to hear you expand on that idea, if you don't mind. Um, Yeah, well, I think when I'm playing and like I've been finding myself with COVID has had me playing a lot. <laughs> and uh, so this question, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing. I imagine like um, Alpha might be laughing too if we think about the Amber game, which has nothing to do with empathy. <laughs> um, and I see Leo's on the call too. So um, that aside, and Katie, you know very well. <laughs> in the regular games, uh, well, even in, even in Amber, um, Empathy is coming up in terms of uh, like what's happening with the characters. Like, so there's empathy for my character. There's empathy for the other characters, and um, you know some of the some of the characters uh, that are people that I'm I've had the the, the pleasure of playing with are um, so um, immersed in the role play and so convincing. I forget that they're actually like a, a real person who is not that character. Uh, and and the the eloquence and and what comes across in the speech can be very moving, uh, and it invites me and my character both to uh, move into a, a, a position of empathy for that character. And my if my character's feeling it, then I'm feeling it too. Like if I'm role playing that, so I think that's one way. And another way is um, like in an, in another game, I, I witnessed a character death and. 
then there was the empathy that everyone around the table, and it was very, it was the beginning of the campaign, everyone around the table had for that uh, player. Uh, and to some extent, uh, the, the, the character um, as well. And I, I think that that's, like, this is a place where things can come up and can get interesting. And in one of my games, I, um, my character is very, um, well, she, she, she just kind of does stuff without thinking. And, um, and she pushed another character, like, just to, yeah, you, you, you go, you, you, you go into that circle and start things and have a conversation. You're good at talking. <laughs> <laughs> and she like her character almost immediately got killed <laughs> so my character um being true to character probably wouldn't have felt very much over that maybe just a tinge of regret and like oops sorry uh but as a player uh i was like oh my gosh this is not okay i'm so sorry uh and uh so, so it brought a home meeting uh, uh, like a, a minute for me i can't believe i just confessed to that <laughs> don't judge me <laughs> The other player actually forgave me for doing it, but, um, and I certainly, we, we didn't, neither of us expected that outcome, but um, yeah, it, it's, I think there's a real bonding that can happen at the table and uh, regardless of what brings it about, I think there's tremendous opportunities to uh, bond uh, and develop, well, develop those strong bonds with the people that you're playing with. Part, part of what I really liked about your story there about the, the, this is what the character did and this is what I felt is that yeah. sort of that that separating of perspectives yes and that introduction okay. of sort of sometimes i have a role that i have to do and this is me as a human and that applies in the workplace as well right where especially if mm -hmm. you're someone that has to manage or direct others i have to play this role yep and it's not that i don't have sympathy for the you that you're you're you know and it's trying to understand sort of those different layers of I need to play this part here, but I still have empathy for you as a person and what you're feeling at this moment, whether it's good that, or bad. I think that you just nailed a, a critical skill that um, that you can learn from from playing uh, RPGs, Stephen. Uh, you did. You I just it. I just highlighted it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here we go again. Oh no no no! Indubitably, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and Steve Steve, I'm I'm glad you called it out. Like from a a leadership supervisory, even you know middle management type of capacity, right? It it um I, I love the idea of of you know I'm not which is not to say you're not playing a role, but I mean you know your role within an organization and see there's that word i mean there are expectations about you know what that is to do and you know how you can be effective and, and things like that and, and and it doesn't have to you know be completely outside of you know your personality and and you know your experiences as a real human being and i would say you know for the most part the the more of a, a deep connection that you have with other people just on a personal level that makes everything work you know better um, but there are going to be those times, like if you are a leader, you are a manager, sometimes you're going to have to give bad news or you're going to have to give, you know, critical feedback and, and, and things like that. Or you may even have to terminate somebody like that's a possibility, too. Right. And, you know, I think in, in those times you lean on your full set of social skills. And I think where I wanted to go with this is that. You know, especially those of you, I, I think, are coming to these seminars because on some levels you have an interest in, in GMing as well. Um, you know, just don't discount how much you can get out of, you know, uh, becoming a more effective player, becoming a more effective GM and how that actually lends a lot of advantage to what you do in a day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, life, right? It, it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, have, having that adaptability, having the, the ability to step outside of your own perspective, you know, as a GM trying to, you know, what does my NPC think and how do I convey that, right? That same mm -hmm. ability to step outside and see something from another person's perspective that makes you a more effective individual because you have a different viewpoint and you are capable then of having, you know, an empathetic reaction, a simple pathetic reaction or even if you don't have those things and that doesn't come easily to at least it gives you a, a different perspective right so um i think there's a lot of touch points there for sure yeah i like how you summed that up alpha yeah I, I appreciate what you said about how like for some people these might be easy skills but for others you know they take 
time to develop. And, and I know for me personally, uh, I feel like I was always interested in RPGs. I'm not excellent at them. And so it is that like, as you know, many, most of you talked about a safe space to start building and exploring, um, and trying out some of these things that feel really uncomfortable, uh, that is both fun and valuable. So that's great. Um, we have a few minutes left, and we've gone through our questions. Do our panelists have any final words of wisdom that they want to share with uh, our audience, things that haven't come up that you want to talk about? Yeah, I have one one thing, um, and I guess it just comes from my um, my my general interest in, in, in symbols and myth and, and stuff like that. So I'm just going to use this opportunity to interject it. <laughs> Uh, and and Where is this gonna go? from uh, all of our um, book club uh, discussions, because um, I think that there's a, a lot to be learned. Our, like these games are effectively stories, and there's a lot to be learned from stories, from being in a story, from hearing a story. We learn also in, in our subconscious, and I think Charles Delint really um, summed it up nicely in 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 the Onion Girl. I'll just read a very short piece here that. I, this just really resonates with me, and I feel there's a lot of similarity. So there are lots of fairy um, fairy tales. I remember the professor telling me once how people need to be storied to get over their fears. We talk about the elements of fairy tales and their relevance to the world as it is, and here and now in which we all live. People who've never read fairy tales have a harder time coping in life than people who have. They don't have access to all the lessons that can be learned from the journeys through the dark woods and the kindness of strangers treated decently the knowledge that can be gained from the company, an example of donkey skins and cats wearing boots and steadfast tin soldiers, and so on. But the, the, there's the subtle lessons that seep up from your subconscious and give you moral and humane structures for your life that teach you how to prevail and trust and maybe even love. And I just, that just, I, I really believe that. And I think that being in an adventure, being in a story, being in part of this creative process that you uh, gather together and, and you create with your friends or maybe it's strangers who become friends is just such a, an incredible gold mine of uh, learning that comes with that. And strangers who can become friends uh, is a tagline I often hear in one of our podcasts, the golden glory podcast. <laughs> no, that was a beautiful, that was a beautiful quote. I, I really, really liked that. Uh, well, yeah, that it was, was absolutely true at the time, Thank right? You. I mean, I, I was not, you know, direct acquaintances or, or, or friends with the folks who are on that call um, or, or, or that game. But I mean, we've now, and it, it's like I've said in, in, in previous uh, casts, like, you know, how many hours do we spend together, you know, just interacting on a social and interpersonal basis? Like, you know, we average four to five hours every time we play a game. I remember even summarizing, <clears throat> you know, how many hours we had all put in as players. And then of course I doubled that to say how much you know, time had I put in as a GM, but you know, there's, there's a lot that you do that you probably are not even aware of every time you roll a dice and every time you play that. And, you know, I really think, especially for folks who, you know, might be more shy or more introverted and they're not quite necessarily out of their shell. I mean, that's one of the, I think the things that are just really beautiful about RPGs in general is that safe space and to be able to do it. And, you know, the more you do, the more perspectives you get, the, the more adaptable you are. And, and getting back to those comments, Sarah, like it's, you know, you, you, you get to explore, you know, a whole different perspective and whole different world. And so you're more open to it. And that's just going to have benefits for you in life and in work. Any final words, Stephen? None at all. I just found it amusing that the quote was about fairy tales. And I've got my book of fairy tales in front of me that I was leaping through. So life is coincidence. <laughs> that's the great thing about gaming. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you all so much. And I know that like I'm an I'm a teacher and I still there's so much about what you all talked about from your experience that I am like ready to think about and applying in my work with my colleagues and with my students. So thank you so much uh, for joining us and we can continue the conversation in the GM203 questions channel or the seminar chat channel. Uh, just a few announcements. Our next seminar um, is going to be, oh, I I think it's on October 8th and it's our rescheduled one on, um, refre wait, now I can't remember the topic. It's I combat. pushed away from the page. Exciting. Yes. Refreshing combat. Yep. Uh, so that's on October 8th. 
Our next Controlled Chaos is the first Saturday of October, so please check that out. And if you want to run a game, volunteer. And uh, our book club book for October is The Lathe of Heaven by um, Ursula Le Guin. And I believe that's going to be on the third Tuesday of the month, but I don't Correct. think an event third has Tuesday been posted for it. That's right. Okay, so uh, stay tuned to the announcements channel or to meet up for that uh, event to be posted. Yeah, thanks so much, everyone.